Hello and welcome to an exciting episode of Offside Musings podcast. On behalf of my co-host Emeko Nyagwa, I'm delighted to welcome you uh, to today's episode. We're going to be discussing the recent breach of perhaps the most politically significant prison in Nigeria, Kuje, which is in Nigeria's federal capital. In a daring move a few days ago, terrorists attacked and overwhelmed the prison. They freed hundreds of inmates. Some of them have since been rearrested, but quite a few of them, perhaps running into as many as 400, are still at large. This latest episode in the very epicenter of Nigerian politics, political power, illustrates once again our argument that Nigeria is a failed state. We're going to be unpacking a lot of issues related to this audacious, shocking assault on security in Nigeria which is not a rare event, but has become rather commonplace. So, we welcome you to today's edition of Offside Musings. Welcome. Great. So, we had another fantastic event in Nigeria. I know. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, the place, sometimes you think that the place has bottomed out terms of absurdity <laughs> and then Nigeria shocks you, surprises you by saying we can do even <laughs> worse than this, you know. Um, if you remember, I think it was May 9th of last year, some burglars actually went into Aso Rock. Now for those of you who are not Nigerian, Aso Rock is the uh, Nigerian equivalent of the White House. Or 10 Downing Street. Or 10 Downing Street. Yeah. Armed robbers went into Aso Rock last year, May 9th, and stole property and money belonging to the chief of staff, to the president of Nigeria, um, uh, Gambari. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Ibrahim Gambari. Um, and one other official within the premises <laughs> of the seat of government in Nigeria. So the equivalent will be if people were somehow able to uh, breach the White House and steal from uh, a top close. I mean, the chief of staff to the president of America, say, yeah. you know, there'll be, I mean, everything will come to a standstill if that happened. But in Nigeria, that was just another, you know. Another day in the office. Another day in the office. <laughs> and, and so how do you, so Kuja Prison, by the way, is the place where most of Nigeria's um, very important pris prisoners, VIPs, are held. So I believe that's where um, the police, um, top police uh, officer, um, Abakari, mm -hmm. who is accused of engaging in drug deals and in uh, shielding some criminals, is currently housed as he undergoes trial. That's where some ex-um political leaders, political office holders, uh, including the former governor of Plateau State, Darie, Joshua Darie, that's where they are held. And I know that at some point, that was where um, Nam Dekanu, the leader of the uh, indigenous peoples of Biafra, uh, was held. I don't know if, if they moved him. Uh, some reports say that he has been held uh, in a DSS director, the, um, the Department of State Security uh, facility. 
but to breach Kuye prison uh, should be a big deal. Um, not just a big deal, it's a shocking, unbelievable, incredible deal. But, you know, in Nigeria it happened, and you know, a day or so later, you know, what our president did. He got on his plane and went to Dakar mm -hmm. uh, to participate in um, <laughs> another international <laughs> meeting. Yeah. I mean, he does that. He's been doing that of late. Last one was um, when the his party was trying to um, decide on how they'll proceed with their primaries. He got on the plane and went to Germany. Yeah. Um, this one is that he woke up and just went to Dakar. Um, you know, it's... It's. I mean, it's happened once in America where, well, recently, I think it was during the Obama administration where a guy jumped over the fence and got into the distance. And it was massive news. He didn't, he just jumped over. He didn't, um, but it was massive news. That kind of breach doesn't happen. But in Nigeria, it's just pretty, it's pretty standard. Um, and it's hard to believe that um, that kind of breach would occur with just smart criminals. Yeah. Um, I mean, or smart lawbreakers is—it's just it, it, it. There, there needs to be some kind of collaboration on yeah you know, the other side, well, whoever it is or whatever it is. Um, I was listening to people talk about Kujay prisons and people who, you know, they tell you in the immigrations, I said immigration in the prison services, uh, equivalent of the prison waters and other, other things and. They are literally going to tell you that it's supposed to be near impossible. It's supposed to be the most secure prison in Nigeria, which yep. is why uh, uh, top political um, some of the some of the um, ex political figures who've been found guilty of corruption, the few of them who ever found guilty, uh, are held. Um, on com upon conviction or during their trial. Um, and that's where some of the uh, occasional uh, terror figures, you know, um, are also incarcerated. Yeah. Uh, and, and so for, 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 of course, the Islamic um, State West Africa mm -hmm. um, has claimed uh, credit. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break because I need to um, wipe my nose. <laughs> oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so the Islamic State uh, West Africa province, yeah. ISWAP, has uh, claimed responsibility for this uh, daring attack in which I believe one or two prison officials died and in which hundreds of uh, inmates uh, were let free. Um, I, it's, I mean, what does all of this mean? What does this mean for you? Because um, if these were isolated uh, events, then we could say that, okay, even in the most secure countries that you have such events happen, you know, occasionally, once in a blue moon, as they say, Yeah. right? But what does it mean for you uh, in Nigeria that such events have occurred with a certain assured frequency, you know, yeah. so that it's the odd day when they don't, such events don't happen. It, it feels like, you know, people are... Trying to break the state down or give give the citizens fatigue, give everybody fatigue, because yeah. there's always one thing after the other after the. You, it's almost like okay, if something doesn't happen this week, it's like are we, you know, it's like leaving your kids upstairs while you're doing some some work. Yes, and they are quiet for like twenty minutes, and you're like, and are they okay? <laughs> are, you what, you want, you are, are you okay yourself? Yes. Are your kids yes. okay? <laughs> you know, so it's like you have um, you have. Just these things keep going on and on, 
And, you know, in this case, it's right there, Kujie Prisons. Last time it was the National Defense Academy, which is the equivalent in America, West Point, or in in the UK, you're talking of um, Sandhurst, not even mm-hmm. Andershot. You know, you're talking of Sandhurst. It's it's um, supposed to be the top military academy. Nothing beats, like, the, the uh, West Point, yes. even the Air Force Academy, whatever. West Point is top of the, top of the pile. Mm-hmm. Same way National Defense Academy, Kaduna, is supposed to be top of the pile. Yes. It was the first defense academy after uh, Ghana because they used to send the uh, the um, people to trade in Ghana for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, West Point was established. I said West Point, sorry, um, uh, National Defense Academy. And, you know, people strolled in there and just took some officers. I re- you know, abducted <laughs> some officers for I, ransom. I walked away. Yes. <laughs> and this time you walk right into Kujie Prisons, which has a, a whole bunch of... Um, um, you know, in well-known individuals, yes. and they walk into the prison, and the only people they free, or from all accounts, because the re- reports are very fuzzy at this point in time, the only people they end up freeing are top Boko Haram of, or uh, members. Yes. You know, people who were held for being um, terrorists. A- terrorists. Alleged. Well, you could say alleged, yes. I believe, because Nigeria should still be a rule of law state, uh, innocent or proving guilty. Um, last I checked, they were not proving guilty, but you could pretty much just, I mean, I don't think they were denying that they were members of Boko Haram anyway. Um, and they walk in there and these were the only people they freed. So absolutely, um, I mean, that in itself says it, it takes, even in, for a country like Nigeria, it takes a lot to break into these places, Asurok and pre, it takes it. It takes mm. it, it. It's even to it might it probably is more difficult to break into the prison mm-hmm. than it is to break into the National Defense Academy. Mm-hmm. But they broke in. They knew where they were going. They got the people they wanted to get, yeah. and they walked out. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president wakes up the next day, and um, some. Some media aide, I think, typed a few letters on his, on Twitter, and he's off to Dakar. Yeah. Oh well, you know, <laughs> it, it's I, I don't know. Like it, it to me it begs the question. You know, and we've spoken about it. You put out a column about it. It begs the question. Like, should there be an election in Nigeria? Really? It, it, and my answer really is an unequivocal no. Okay. Nigeria is a failed state. A failed state has no business dabbling in an election. An election presupposes the existence of a semblance of political order, all right? Which one administration which is holding this order in trust is is then going to uh, transfer to the administration that is elected to take over, all right? What Nigeria is is a purely failed, dysfunctional, chaotic state, all right? So the whole idea then, and we know that even at the best of times, elections in Nigeria are always accompanied by preceded by and marked by extreme deadly violence. This year has all the trappings, all the features for a more than usual quotient of violence. If you consider the fact that the incumbent president Muhammad Buhari has been a disaster. And this is saying a lot because Nigerian leaders are dependently, uh, are de- depend, uh, um, uh, dependably, what's a, the, dependably yeah. is the word I yeah. wanted, are dependably disastrous. Okay? So it's as if a condition of being a Nigerian leader is that you you produce a certain amount of disaster. <laughs> so so that when we say that Buhari has been a disaster, we're saying that he has taken 
the usual uh, built-in expectation of disaster that comes with uh, our leaders and he's multiplied it by factors, mm -hmm. okay? Um, this man has been absent. In fact, to call him a leader is to abuse that word. This man has been absent. It's as if he's used Nigeria really um, that his primary uh, act in office has been to take care of his feeble health, okay, through frequent trips to, uh, to, to, to usually to the UK and elsewhere, uh, medical trips, then just that he's been on vacation, you know. I believe that for months and months and months, his wife... Um, will spend time in, in Dubai, as if Dubai were an extension of Nigeria. Mm -hmm. uh, his children um, went to school in the UK. Yep. Uh, so that whole idea of a country run by uh, men, usually, whose families really live abroad, who spends uh, a great deal of time abroad, whose children... Uh, receive the education abroad, who receives health care from abroad, it's a deep anomaly. Uh, and it's a deep an anomaly because if you... Let's take the Philippines, all right? Yeah. So the Philippines... Um, one of your favorite destinations. Yeah, one of my favorite. You know, I've been to that country uh, on extended vacations three times. And when you go to the Philippines, I sort of like to compare it to Nigeria because the Philippines in, uh, has a history of a depth of corruption by its political leaders. Um, it also, um, y you know, it has its corrupt politicians like 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 their Nigerian counterparts are like massive, you know, splush, you know, plushy homes. Uh, they like their cars, you know, very expensive uh, cars and so on. And what have they, those leaders in the Philippines done? Because they like these palatial homes, they've ensured that there is water running, they, that there's electricity um, and that there is security. Because they love cars, they have ensured that their roads are good, in good conditions. So you can travel for hours on a Filipino, uh, on any road in, in the Philippines. And if you shut your eyes, you would imagine yourself to be driving through roads in Europe or in America. But Nigeria is unique in the sense that our leaders are as corrupt as they come. They build all these palatial homes and then there's no running water. They have to dig boreholes. There's no electricity. So you are in their home, but all this is massive industrial grade generators. Yep. Uh, running with all the noise and all the pollution that comes with that. And then the roads that they drive their cars on are ghastly, just filled with potholes and so on. Um, I, I've, I've told the story of once traveling in my home state, Anambra, and I came to a point where there was um, uh, a contingent of seven Rolls Royces. So it could be one person who owned the Rolls Royces, or it could be several friends who owned the Rolls Royces, and they are driving on this, you know, terrible stretch of road. And so the Rolls Royce will enter into a pothole and come up, its bottom will scrape, 
on the tar. Then it will get into another <laughs> hole. And as I looked at this, I, the madness just struck me. And I said, if the manufacturers of Rolls Royces knew the kind of condition, the condition of the roads on which they were being driven, these cars were being driven in Nigeria, they will stop selling the cars to Nigerians. You know? But in the Philippines, on the other hand, you can drive your cars... And so, and what it's called is enlightened self-interest. That even when you steal resources from people, in order to enjoy the resources, and oh, the other thing that the Philippines has, it's an excellent healthcare system. Excellent. So I've been receiving, doing my annual physical in America every year. Mm -hmm. And I went to the Philippines and had the experience of an annual physical in the, in the Philippines. And it was much better there in terms of the equipment they had, in terms of the thoroughness of the process than you had it in America. So that the leader of the Philippines has no reason to fly out of his country in order to receive treatment. Now, no Nigerian governor, much less a president, would allow himself to be treated in a Nigerian hospital unless they had no choice, like during COVID, when they couldn't travel out of the country and a, lot, a bunch of them died, right? Um, so no, we're talking about a failed country, therefore. And so we need to put a few basic things in place. And that's why I continue to make the argument that to go into elections in 2020 that are bound to be expensive, bound to be fraud-ridden, bound to be fraud, uh, violent, is a total waste of our time. Because even if we got somehow, if we could recruit a president and a bunch of governors from heaven itself, Okay, from paradise. If somehow we could, God would assign some heavenly beings to come and run the affairs of Nigeria, the place is too broken that uh, would frustrate whoever gets sent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's um, the Filipino example is um, imperative because you go to Nigeria. You go to the major cities, um, the Lagos, the Abujas, the um, Enugus, the Kadunas, the um, wherever. I even haven't been to Akwaibo in a long time or Calabar, mm -hmm. where I stayed for a while. I think my dad still has a place there. But the radius of movement mm -hmm. that people will feel comfortable when you move around is very small. Lagos essentially like you come in everywhere. Lagos, you 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 come in, you know, people are going to try and center your activities around VI Kui, um Lekki Phase One, maybe two, somewhere around those areas, um, essentially. Um a few people would say, Okay, you could do a few things in maybe Keja or some parts of Surulere depending. Um, people won't even advise you to go to Yaba, for instance, anymore. Um, but that's where most of the activities are centered. So if you want to even see the majority of, um, you know, celebrities or well-known people within Lagos, all you have to do is just stroll down to VI, stroll down to Lekki, really. You know, stroll down to Lekki yeah. Phase 1. That's yeah. where you see everybody. Yeah. Same thing with Abuja. You go to Abuja. It's uh, Wuse... We say to you know just a few places that as, you can as, go to as, 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 as Sokoro. Sokoro, you know, just a few places you go to. Once you want to start going too far, uh, you want to start heading towards Kuba, where the airport is. Um, all these places, people won't even advise you to. You want to start heading towards past Karo, towards Nas um, um, Nasarawa, mm -hmm. you know, towards whether it's Lafia or wherever in Nasarawa. Mm -hmm. People won't even advise. It's it's. Scary. I, I have a friend who does business in Nigeria who um, used to live out in San Francisco 
and he had to come in with uh, German military personnel. And they were, they went to Nigeria to do to have some collaboration on prosthetics. That's essentially what his business is on, uh, prosthetics. Um, you know, he did it for a while here. He got moved to Dubai, then founded his own company, and he believes in his pr- the, the project he's in. But even when the Germans wanted to go to the same Nash, Nigerian Defense Academy, they insisted on going there. He was trying to talk them out of it. Mm. He was doing everything he could to talk them out of it without being too brash or too open about it but they insisted and the only way they could go was okay they had to fly from Lagos to Abuja mm. and from Abuja they had to get a convoy yes, of, of, of military escorts which often doesn't work I yes. mean we, we know that just last week a few days ago actually the convoy an advanced convoy of the president himself was attacked so many convoys of governors have been attacked in the country. Um, uh, Boko Haram elements have shot at governors in the northeast. You know, so, uh, you know, it's becoming even uh, counterintuitive to use much security in Nigeria. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, in the southeast, for example, it used to be status symbol that people would come home with um, uh, a, a convoy, yeah. you know, so they, you know, so some if, if people wanted to say that somebody has money, they say, ah, you know, it has a convoy, you know, so that becomes another way of demonstrating your wealth. And then um, elements of the uh, indigenous peoples of Biafra declared that the Southeast was um, not... Uh, going to be a hospitable zone to uh, soldiers and the police, and, and a different group called the unknown government, pro, you know, proper noun unknown <laughs> government, um, began to attack police elements, and so suddenly, um, people, a lot of the swaggering class, learned to that you couldn't afford to be seen in the company of police people because this could actually attract attract uh, attacks against you. Yeah, the unknown gunman thing is like Nigerian nationwide at this point in time. Yeah, um, and it's know. a cover for criminals, Yeah, essentially. I mean, criminals yeah. who are engaged in kidnapping, who are engaged in armed robbery, um, extortion, all kinds of things, just call themselves uh, unknown gunmen, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, it's it's, I mean it it's it, it it's a widely spread thing now. I don't think it's just um, it, it's it's everywhere. Um, unfortunately, above even the president's convoy gets attacked, um, and he was supposed to be um, the guy who got elected to uh, stem uh, indiscipline uh, because he had this <laughs> mythical. Which is kind of weird. Like I always say, it, I don't know where, why people stuck with this weird narrative. I get. I say I'm, I'm not a historian, but I'm a history person, <laughs> so I get a point. Like you know, um, people like felt, but I think you don't need to dig too far to take a look at it and realize this was a guy who was part of the bloodiest episode and the pogroms and ethnic cleansing. And some would even define it, um, some, a lot of academic writing and debates have defined it as genocide in Nigeria. The, the, uh, you know, I think only maybe Rwanda that I know of surpasses the amount of the naked bloodshed that happened in Nigeria in 66. And in case people don't know, Buhari was part and parcel of that crew. Buhari, Abacha, a whole bunch of those officers were part of that crew. Maritala Mohammed was at the front, front and center. That's another guy some people like to claim. is. I mean, I guess my, my listener, a lot of people would agree, is one of, if not the most barbaric figure in the history of Nigeria in terms of the amount of slaughter he took part. He, he instigated and took part in, um, you know. So you have all these, you had this, this image of this man who was supposed to come in and who people said he's from... You know, he'll be able to talk to these guys and all that, and they brought him in, and he'll he would be he's he's prudent, 
he does so people forget his time in the PTF and the things he did and all that. But they remember some fine roots here and there, I guess. And they brought him in and it's been, um, like you said, man, if the benchmark is disaster, this guy has, he's broken every metric. Yeah, I don't even know if anybody can break these metrics anymore in terms of disastrous. They've brought in this guy and you still have people making the argument. For instance, I see people making this argument. It's not a distant for, for against anybody, but it's it's the reality. Oh, a Peter B shouldn't be president because the East is is a danger zone. Which part of the country is safe? Uh, it's, it's safe. <laughs> so much. Yeah, you know they they um or which they, region rather the case. Um, I mean, and and we've said here, Peter B is not a perfect candidate, but I think that given the crop of people out there. Um, I think that Peter B were there to be an election in Nigeria is by far the um, uh, superior candidate to Anatiku or to Tinubu. But the case against the Peter B uh, presidency and the election goes back to the current state of the nation with the best of intentions, even with, if he had all the money in the world, which he wouldn't have. Nigeria is basically, uh, in case people don't know, Nigeria is close to bankrupt. Okay? Nigeria, as of next year, will be spending almost every dollar that it earns from crude oil exports on servicing its debt. And this is a country that received massive death forgiveness just a few years ago. And somehow systematically we've accumulated such a gigantuan um, profile of debt that most of our resources are going to go into servicing that death. So if Peter B wins, he's not going to have a lot of money. And so with the best of intentions with the best of uh wheels right he's still going to go nowhere and especially given that we have so i know that people are excited about uh, peter b's uh, uh presidential candidacy but um given a choice between canceling the elections and having an emergency government that will begin to address, first of all, the foundational issues in Nigeria. What is our constitution? What does it mean to be a citizen in Nigeria? How can we run elections in the country that will not give exclusive monopolistic advantage to those who have money, especially ill-gotten money that they have stolen from the country. Um, how do we establish a police force that is professional, a law enforcement uh, apparatus that really enforces the law, a judiciary that is truly independent, a press that uh, functions at the fourth uh, estate uh, realm of the state, and so on. So we have so many basic things to get right, okay? We need this special um, uh, emergency government to finally address the question of power in Nigeria. Because there's so much politics when a president tries to address this issue. There are so many vested interests in the country that stand in the way. Okay, So a special interim government should address questions of power in the country, should address questions of infrastructure, should address questions of the federal character of the country, you know? Uh, in other words, should determine the terms of our continued coexistence if Nigerians agree to continue to coexist. So the impediment or the peril of trusting that a good president is going to address these issues is that the rot has become so systemic that it's going to take more than a few good men 
in fact, more than a few excellent men to fix it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say, um, you know, back some, some some of the comments and some of the thoughts I had from when you put out the column, I had a conversation yes. uh, a few episodes ago, is is this, right? There are a couple of people would say, hey, what about uh, the interim government of Shinneko? And I, I'm going to borrow the line of one of my, uh, yes. Yes. by the way, the, the line of, um, uh, I'm a history person. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorite um, history people. Yes. Yeah, even though he too has a, 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 a degree in history. He'll always call Dan Carlin, he'll always say, I'm just a history enthusiast. But it, it is true, he likes to explain it to people as easy as possible. Yes. But in the best way he understands. But it, you'd remember Shoneko the way he came in, even though it was a lame duck um, um, government. And even though Abacha, who by all accounts had single-handedly, um, had single-handedly, had not, was the emotional leader of the cancellation of June 12th from a lot of accounts. Um, even the press statement, the way it came out, it didn't come out from the press secretary, all that. The um, writing style was something that would come from Abacha's office riddled with a lot of mistakes and the kind of mistakes Abacha would make. Abacha's people would, would make, Abacha and his people together would make, um, you know. And there were a lot of people there. David Mark reportedly was somebody who had always said that if, if uh, Abiola became president, he's going to kill him on day one essentially but it's a different uh, situation in terms of like if people came together and said hey we need something better um even though right now what is happening is more people coming together is that we need peter obi we feel as a prudent person that's the first thing about mm-hmm. um an interim national government that people would talk about is how long could it last um the next thing is how deep can it go can it really be effective? Can it really... Uh, because the rot is... I mean, you're not going to have all these men and see a few women. Oh, I mean, you have people like Lakija there, so you have a lot of rich people there too who have been, who are benefiting from a broken system, mm-hmm. who essentially do not care. Yes, They have got no interest whatsoever and they have the financial resources to make sure that Nigeria does not work. Yeah. Um, they've got zero interest, mm. no matter what you say, no matter the will of the people. Um, and they have their people everywhere who, you know, they sit down, they are making the case that, well, you know, Peter Obi should be, they are, they are so frightened of what at best would be a marked improvement by Peter Obi being in office. I don't care whether you, you could choose to deny it or not, but Peter Obi would be a marked improvement from what Nigeria has had um, maybe since, um, poof, who would I say? For a long time, for a long time, it, at, at the very least. At the very least, you're talking yeah. of, you know, maybe even never. But it, it, the system is still broken, mm-hmm. and it's been broken from the get-go, and it's yeah. even way more broken. Yeah. They are so scared that they've gone out in full swing mm-hmm. trying to pour water on anything Peter will be because they feel it would be, you know, a... a, a, a it, it, you know, it's something they don't want to deal with. Yeah, it stops well, their comfort. I'll be the. F- I'm, I'm not sure that I'm the first to to say it, uh, but I haven't heard anybody say it in quite these terms. If the people you have named or the people you've alluded to, who've made so much money from Nigeria, and um, who want Nigeria to remain as dysfunctional as, as dysfunctional as it is because they, um, that's how they, they rip it in. I want to make a prediction that if there is an election in Nigeria next year, that whoever is elected president is not going to serve out his four years before the country falls totally apart. Um, if you've been following events in Sri Lanka, okay, <laughs> um, where people are going, mobs are going from house to house of wealthy people, chasing wealthy people on the streets, stripping them of their possessions, harming them, killing them. Nigeria, what will happen in Nigeria? 
this will be child's play, what's happening in Sri Lanka compared to what will happen in Nigeria because the disparity between those who have in Nigeria and those who have not is so uh, unconscionable. Okay? Um, to tell you, give you a sense, give you a, a, a quick sense. So, I visited a guy in Nigeria, and this is a very enterprising man, you know, young man, a few years older than I, but a relative of mine. Uh, this guy, you know, has little education, but he's one of these people who uh, would work hard, whether at, at his farm or at setting traps, at hunting, you know, using the catapult to... to uh, get birds for meat and so on. So I visited him one night and he happened to be eating when I showed up. And, um, you know, from his situation, you, I knew that he was eating. And, uh, but the food was not anywhere on display. And after a while, he then said to me, uh, my brother, you know, I was, um, yeah, I had no meat. So I just, I'm managing with something. And he brought out a rat that he had roasted. And this is what he was eating when I came in. So he hid it. He brought it out and continued to eat. And this was years ago. Not even recently. Not recently. Yeah. Now... The situation in the country today is so much worse than it was, right? Um, unemployment and with the U.S. economy going into a recession, essentially, there's going to be global reverberations. By, de by definition. Global precisely, on technical terms, right? Yep. So there's going to be global re reverberations. Uh, we're coming off of COVID with all the disruptions in around the world. But those disruptions were felt mostly in uh, developing countries like Nigeria, which had nothing to fall back on, right? So the only thing holding Nigeria up is that we have this social system where some people who have, you know, true parties and so the poor can come at least and stay on the fringes and eat. Yeah. Where uh, there are people now who just hunt around every weekend for a wedding. Because as you know, in Nigeria, you can just go to a wedding and take a seat. Nobody it, it, knows it who you are. Be, it used to be, we would do that for trips back then. Precisely. Uh, but now... People are doing it because they're <laughs> that's, hungry. That's the only way of surviving. And people go with plastic bags. Yep. People go with their handkerchiefs to tie and take away food. Yep. Okay? Um, so you have young men who, and women who are coming out of universities and polytechnics and colleges of education who have no jobs. Industries are disappearing. The government is not hiring. The government, a lot of governments in Nigeria are not paying their uh, workers, their salaries. A lot of retired people are not being paid their pensions and so on. Things are so... Nigeria is... Nigeria is no longer on the edge. Nigeria is falling into the chasm. Yep. And so, you know, we can say that the people who have are going to see those their homes set on fire. They themselves, and you know, a lot of them have massive resources that they have stashed away abroad. So they can run away. But as long as, as far as staying in Nigeria and making a spectacle of your wealth, mm -hmm. it's not going to be, I predict that if there's an election, regardless of who gets Elected. If it is Peter Obi, there might be a, a little delay <laughs> as people sort of, because, you know, he's excited some people, right? A, a lot of people think he's magic man, right? But as I said, Nigeria <laughs> is so 
in the whole, that is going to take a lot more than what P2B can muster. I think you, you use the right word, magic man. Yes. <laughs> of course, if it is a Tinubu or an Atiku, that sense of total collapse is going to come quickly and is going to be a ferocious development. That's my prediction. Yeah. And the only way to avert this... So, anyway, um, yeah, so my, my point is that it's in the ultimately the best interest yeah. of, um, of those who have ruined the country mm-hmm. to permit uh, a coalition of enlightened citizens from all kinds of sectors to begin to fix the basic things. Because ultimately, and I say it's in their best interest because the way to run a state, a capitalist state, is to ensure that those who are on the margins are, or those who are not, who don't have their mouths fixed to the trough mm-hmm. are at least eating. When people eat at least two meals, whether it's square or round, yeah. they can be quiet a bit. When people can't find food to eat, they must eat. And so you, the ferocity of the human comes out when their destitution becomes so green that they can't find food to eat. And you remember in the early days of COVID, what was happening? Mm-hmm. You could, people who lived in cities and so on, who cooked outside, yeah. would be f- cooking their food. They will turn around and somebody will come and steal the food in your pot <laughs> and escape. Okay? Homes who have been burglarized, not for money now, but for food. People were stealing yams, stealing rice, and of course, a lot of stores mm-hmm. where governments had put what they called, um, what, what was the name that they, um, that they called uh, the things that they were, the food that were going to distribute to people. In Nigeria, palliatives. Uh, pal- palliatives. Palliatives, rather. Yeah, so... Yeah. so uh, so a lot of state governments had bought all these uh, food stuff and stored them away, basically for these things to rot or to serve only their own relatives and their favored. And in a lot of cases, mobs discovered what was there, stormed the place, gutted the place of these supplies. We are driving. Nigeria doesn't have um, um, doesn't have the uh, the cushion. And by the way, there is going to be hunger on an unprecedented scale that becomes uh, part of the consequences of the current war in Ukraine. You know that, yeah. right? So we expect to see a global shortage of grains. It's going to be devastating. Of grains, certain seeds. It's going to be devastating. So, I mean, essentially what you're saying is um, the elite don't seem to be have a sense of self-awareness that what is coming is, is mm-hmm. I mean, this is child's play. This is the, a good example in history is your favorite place. If you go back to the Philippines, you go back to the Emendal Marcos yeah. era, the way um, they got chased out of the Philippines. Even though the Philippines is still massively corrupt, it's nowhere yeah. as, as much corrupt mm-hmm. as it was. But yeah. Mando Marcos was chased out. Um, you know, her shoe collection was yeah. made fun of. Um, the, you know, she was almost uh, close to being in Marianne Antoinette. Yeah. You know, the yeah. famous, uh, although, you know, a little bit of Marianne Antoinette mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. historically is a little yeah. bit, um, a little bit distant. But she did utter the kind of, you know, utter the. Mm-hmm. Let them have uh, cake, cake, you know, because yeah, if the masses don't have bread. Let them have cake, you let know, them have cake, you know, because she didn't really get the mm-hmm. the implications of of what was that. But you know, that that's the first part of of what you're saying, and um, a good way to illustrate what you're saying is that globally, if you look at it right now, I have I know somebody who had been stuck in America for I'll I'll term it stuck, but in his mind he would say he was a stock, which is fine. He had been stuck here. For years, uh, parents sent him here to go to school. He didn't want to go to school and had been here. And even though he would say differently, 
had had his mind on whatever his parents had acquired or rather his father really because he keeps assuming that his mother acquired uh, not uh, this you know he keeps as he keeps assuming that his mother acquired quite a bit but really it's all his dad because his dad had worked for a multinational company um and his mind as the first child has always been so distant so you know of late I, i'd seen him go to nigeria i'm not sure if he has papers now or not i got no idea um but last i'd seen him he had he didn't have papers he had, had a marriage and all that but he hadn't filed the paperwork um and even if he did it would take him a lot longer because he had it's been a long um interim since his student visa expired we're talking of years over half a decade since his student visa expired um but he's gone to nigeria whatever he's uh roaming around there maybe he finally filed the paperwork and went there because it'd be a lot easier it might be a lot shorter if you're in nigeria to get a uh, green card by marriage than it is to sit down here with expired paperwork but the point is the guy is there in nigeria primarily even though he's fronting like he's doing some level of business which i don't think um that business is anywhere profitable to keep him there but his parents at least have a place you know um at lekki by the way you know all that stuff uh but his mindset is such that he wants to come and also be part of eating this national cake yeah that <laughs> this is this is this is a guy i know very well who stayed in my house overnight he would argue with me and never want to agree but that's his mindset mm-hmm. he wants to go there because eating this proverbial cake, cake in nigeria is something that he feels that even though his father himself wasn't directly in government mm-hmm. his father himself has uh, got to rub shoulder with a few people a few not even too many here and there so he feels like he's he's he, he shouldn't be suffering it. he shouldn't have the indignity of trying to make a living in america in america <laughs> he should go to nigeria <laughs> and 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 and, and, and quaff, eat this cake quaff some cake and this 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 is that i think has four kids i think three of the four kids are now in nigeria only one is not and it's at least two of them that are older seem to have the same mindset even though again they want to admit it they're trying to act like they're doing you know whatever you know on their social media it looks all good but in reality they are just there waiting to eat this cake almost like waiting for their sister their father should die yeah and collect the cake or of so or ah. you know he, he should connect them to some level so you have a lot of these people shifting their focus their kids i have another friend who is literally a senator in waiting he's not trying to even go for any lower position mm-hmm. in government i went to secondary school with this guy um and he's doing the rounds in Lagos with his with his dad's name and all that um he's definitely angling for a bigger position because he feels um given his father's background and his background and all that he deserves a bigger position so he's just chilling i don't, I don't want to get, even cuz his father was a former senator there in Lagos we went to secondary school together briefly um but you have all these people who are doing all this while there's the other half or not even half the other 90 something percent of people who some of them have properties and all that but what use is having a house that you you and your husband or you and your wife had worked for and, say, and then you're supposed to be picking up rents and even a lot of your tenants can't afford to pay you what use is that to your retire? like yeah. a yeah. lot of people are finding it extremely mm-hmm. extremely difficult and i remember 10 15 years ago you'd have a problem in america and even at that time at least the regular people would be like how's the problem oh man i'm behind on the bill and they'll be able to be like okay let me send you 500 bucks yeah nobody can do that for you right yeah now. like you literally know, it's, it's uh, talking about the metaphor of the cake um it's, it's something that i find white uh white um intriguing because my theory is that Nigeria is a country that has been eaten into oblivion by citizens so we have um the metaphor i remember uh, as a young man uh that the dominant rhetoric when the head of state the military head of state vi- visited any state was that the uh military governor or the elders in a representative of the elders who read a speech in which he would request or demand that the visiting head of state ensure that uh uh the residents of this particular state that is vis- visiting receive their share of the national cake 
And it always struck me as something pathological because nobody was saying, let's help to bake a cake. There was this presumption that a cake has been baked, that the nation is a cake. So we should get together every day and just eat that cake. So we've eaten Nigeria into oblivion, into hopelessness, into this very dire situation, uh, which you made alluded to a point uh, earlier on, which is very key, that when people breach a prison or breach a military facility, they, the premier military institution in the country, it is not just the doing, it is not just due to the sagacity of the terrorist group that plans this. It is also because they have moles from within who plan these attacks with them. And these moles perhaps would do cooperate, collaborate on these attacks, on these violations for ideological reasons. You know, so if you are an Islamic fundamentalist, perhaps you will say, yes, I'm going to help the Islamic uh, state of West, of West Africa province to um, overrun Kuja prison. But I think that often what's at play here is money. That these terrorist groups have big sponsors have, uh, and sometimes they make a lot of money from uh, their kidnap activities, and so they're able to bribe uh, government officials, prison officials, military personnel to participate in criminal activity, and especially in a country where our investigative capacity is almost nil, okay? Uh, where um, I remember... Um, somebody relating to me what happened when uh, a major political figure in Nigeria was assassinated in his own home. And the police commissioner arrived and began to touch things all over the, the place in the room where this man was killed. And his family took exception. And they told him, you are compromising any fingerprint evidence. And he said to them, oh, I didn't know you would not want me to touch things. And then he said to them, oh, you know that, uh, you know, there are some powerful pastors. You know, the body of this man, assassinated politician, was still lying there. And this commissioner of police was saying to the family that they could consult a pastor who would pray powerfully, and then this man will come back to life. <laughs> Which... If you think that that's absurd, again, so when we talk about just the absolute um, emptying out of what it means to be a nation, so you think that somebody who rises to the position of commissioner of police will not have that kind of mi mindset to look at somebody who is dead and believe that a pastor who come and pray, and this man will rise, okay? But then, how about the police commissioner in Ilori who called the press conference and pointed to a goat <laughs> and said, yeah, you remember the story, and said that this goat was a human being, that the goat was trying to uh, rob, uh, steal a car with other, other humans, and that uh, an alarm was raised at, at, at the market. Oh, actually, I think they went to a market stalls, and then the market security raised an alarm, and people gave chase, and that they uh, would be robbers who are running, and as they caught this particular one, that he turned himself into a goat. A police commissioner in Nigeria called a press conference and pointed to a goat and said, this goat was human. Yeah. So, 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 is it what I'm saying? So we need a reformed police system. Okay, we have to decide whether states should have their own police, they, there should be federal police, there should be local government police, 
there should be institutional police, as you know, in this country, universities mm -hmm. and so on have police. But then we have to set standards because Nigeria used to have standards. Nigeria used to have military officers, police officers who could compete with the best in the world. Mm -hmm. How did we get to the point where the leader of the police in a state <laughs> would point to a goat and allege that a goat was a human being who was trying to rob and so on? I mean, you say you said people, Nigerians had standards. Um, I won't disagree to some degree, but the erosion of standards had always started from even pre-independence. Long before independence, there was an erosion of every standard. You could start from the British especially the way they uh, constructed the country to make sure the country would never be independent. To me, it was kind of like they constructed the country and then they surgically removed uh, the part of the brain that would make you an independent thinker. Um, and then they construct a system that would be dependent on them, mm -hmm. you know, essentially. Um, and it takes a life of its own assassinations, coup, and it's all over Africa, assassinations, coups, and they, they will always point to, well, these guys were like that before we got there. Well, <laughs> there was some level in some places, but by and large, in a lot of societies, there were a lot of organizations that you mm -hmm. can go back and do, read a lot of, a lot of their own anthropologists. I believe Smith, I've forgotten the lady's name, um, a lot of their own anthropologists and historians that came in and wrote, um, objective books and if you even want to read the more uh condescending ones like um what's in that guy's name i even want it but anyway if you want to read it as an academic exercise i've forgotten his name um five, i think among the Igbos of nigeria right um it's not ba basden basden t basden <laughs> if you want to read that as that's one of those very condescending uh distance but if you want to read the anthropologists uh read it um, fantastic works have gone on to codify those kind of things like Iafikbo, um, Afikbo, um, um, so many, there are so many fantastic uh, people who have come out and done Elizabeth Isiche, mm -hmm. Um you could go and read. Uh, but this is in terms of Igbo culture. Guys like Professor Banja Kintoye have done a fantastic job in chronicling um, Yoruba. Uh, this then T. Falola has done a lot in chronicling um, um, relig religiosity in Nigeria. Um, so much fantastic works out there uh, if you want to go read them. Well, obviously, the next thing that, you know, if you're not Nigerian, most Nigerians don't have a reading culture, sadly. Um, it is the truth. Um, don't know how best to say it. But yes, you would see the breakdown of society on, on and on and on, where there were, even though they were misguided, I'll say mis well, in a way, they were misguided the first coup. But more than that, you had a mutiny within the mutiny, people who refused to, and so on and so forth. And they went on breaking down every institution, as you might expect they would, given their um, their their self, the, the desire to self-preserve themselves in their office, um, from going from trying to break up Nigeria with Araba, some of the guys like uh, Babangida, you know, actions like outrightly, like, oh, the police is too effective. Because in spite of everything that happened, Police, in spite of the first two, um, the coup and what people call the counter coup, I just call it the mutiny. Mm -hmm. In spite of that, the police was largely very professional. People forget that they were very. Although pe why people like to forget that is because they were largely Igbo, <laughs> over seventy percent Igbo, but they were largely professional. But Babangida was the final nail on the coffin, um, scrapping places like Special Branch and creating the NSO. And you know, going into hyper. The special paranoia. branch started under Gowan, actually. No, there was there was E branch. Okay, under e MDU. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So sorry, the special. E yeah, right. Special yes. branch going. There was E branch under MD Yusuf. He was very. He was a well-trained officer, police officer, by the way. But you see the makings of this, the corruption, the this that leads to nowhere. It led to people just um, taking out stuff like history and. Um, um, you know, um, what they call it, um, um, adaptive thinking. I don't know what was the best word to use. Mm -hmm. Taking that out of Nigerian thought process. And all we do is just sit down. And even when we send uh, some of our brightest, so-called brightest to countries like this, like I told of my friends, who even my friend that's just chilling around in Lagos, his father went to school abroad. He went to school abroad. He has um, a 
they're born abroad as well, if I'm not wrong. But they all have that mentality like, ah, we have to go and eat this uh, professional okay. cake. You know, I, I cannot be uh, uh, working for for somebody here, you know, kind of thing. So you see, and it's, it's just like you've said, even if a Peter or B goes in, he's not a magician. Mm-hmm. At best, it's, it's just delaying what seems like the inevitable. It's inevitable. You know, so. Nigeria has sunk... Um, and has been sinking yep. uh, for quite a while. It's going to take more than magic man, and <laughs> through this, Peter B isn't magic man, um, to to rescue it. Um, well, I think it's a good place to, to end. Uh, sort of something struck me. Um, it's instructive that uh, those who uh, overran uh, Kuje prison decided to liberate the poor uh, prisoners, if you like. The prisoners who are there perhaps for what I'll call little crimes ultimately, you know, um, because the big criminals in Nigeria are the ones who are decorated constantly with national awards, national honors. And um, so they left the big politicians in place it was almost like a, um, a kind of poetic statement saying that you created the Nigeria that we're revolting against. And so you stay in prison. We're going to take the poor little victims of your misgovernance out of jail. Um, but having said that, you know, so it's, 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 in, it's, it's interesting to look at it that way. But having said that, a country... Uh, where that kind of daring, audacious attack can take place, where so many hundreds of prisoners are sprung free, is not a state, it's not a country. Bochinu Achaban Walesho Inka have famously stated that Nigeria has was the possibility of a nation but at the current moment as uh, to echo Willisho Inca there is a space called Nigeria but there is no nation yet in that space and the only way to create a nation out of this open space out of this amorphous dysfunctional chaotic space is to forgo the pretense that we an organic uh, country that is going to run elections in 2023 and instead to have, to convoke a gathering of patriotic citizens from all sectors of Nigeria to fashion the beginnings, the seed of what could then transform into a nation. We thank you very much uh, for joining us on this episode and please do tune in again. Have a brilliant rest of the week. Yep.